Hello and welcome to Kieran Quest episode 162. I am your Minecraft addicted host, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, wishing on a dream that seems far off, David McBurney, Battle Master. Uh, and Kaijin is not currently online. Um, Temporarily indisposed. We may see him later, maybe not. Hopefully. We dream. Yes, but we shall start up without him. So, last episode we recorded just went up. As we're recording this, I'm trying to get into a better rhythm of posting these. Uh, but as I'm sure most of you are aware, uh, shit be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, let's just get that out of the way. Yes. Swearing encouraged this way this yes. week. Everything's a little weird, and trying to get into a regular habit of things is uh, happening to mixed results. But anyway. I would like to point out that if you put it up, uh, the page is not yet up. Uh, sometimes you have to refresh it a few times. Uh, okay, I'll try. It, sh uh, it should be on the... F oh, you know what? Oh, crap. You know, maybe... Uh, talk for a minute. <laughs> Okay. While I uh, fix this disaster. but for once it's not my fault. <laughs> we'll work it out later. Yeah. Sorry, I was... Uh, Everything is set up correctly. I was appreciating the... Uh, the beautiful tunes from uh, Forgotten Claymation uh, adventure game, The Neverhood. Okay. Maybe maybe don't look into what that uh, the director of that's been doing in the past few years. He's a... Uh, Unpleasant man, but uh, <laughs> that game has a killer soundtrack and also just gorgeous art. But uh, you ever play Neverhood? Nah, no, nah. You ever play its sequel for the PlayStation One, Skull Monkeys? No. Nah. It's a cute little platformer. Huh. Sounds neat. Wasn't that from the the Earthworm Jim guy? Yeah, that's what I was saying about don't look into what he's been doing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, <sighs> but, yeah, uh, it's a markedly better platformer than Earthworm Jim. Earthworm Jim kind of sucks. Uh, but it has such a good cartoon show. Uh, the catchy theme song. Honestly, all all I remember about the show is the theme song. and that could only Oh, don't worry, that's all I remember, too. I watched an episode once, like, five years ago, and it was like, this is very much like the cartoon of the 90s, where, like, when the writers were stuck for a joke, their joke was, ha-ha! It's a cartoon, <laughs> um, which uh, you know can be fun, but uh, where's then? But yeah, like Earthworm Jim is like a video game. It's very bad. <laughs> yeah, like it's just uh, the kind of apotheosis of we have so much animation, and it doesn't matter how out of how badly it feels like it controls because you have to sit through all those animations resolving every time you want to do something else. But, yeah. 
Uh, Skull Monkeys is pretty good, though. Uh, released in Japan as uh, Clayman Clayman, which, uh, well, the original was released in Japan in a Japan exclusive PS1 port called Clayman Clayman. And was popular enough there to get a Japan-only spinoff called Clayman Gun Hockey. Huh. Well, I assume it's not related at all to 12 Monkeys? No, not in the slightest. Okay. Uh, Skull Monkeys is called Skull Monkeys because there are monkeys whose heads are skulls in it. That's basically it. Gotcha. (laughs) But I I feel like the most infamous part of Skull Monkeys at this point is its uh, bonus room music, which is a soft but unsettling track sung by the composer about being in a bonus room. Interesting. Here's a little bonus room because I know you've had it rough. And here's a little bonus tune for collecting real cool stuff, Wheels. <laughs> like, that's, that part is just silly, but then it starts talking about... It just gets weird. <laughs> up some of these lyrics because they amuse me and I was I was testing uh, my PS1 setup with uh, Skull Monkeys uh, let's see uh, here's uh, yes here's a little bonus room where you can play don't be frightened don't run away you can linger because I'm your video friend think of me as a father figure with a hand to lend <laughs> here's a little bonus room where you don't have to worry take your sweet time you need not hurry oh you're looking incredible you're the bomb and me I'm kinda like your dad and a little like your mom wow <laughs> hey <laughs> there are no monsters here hey wait look over there I was just kidding don't be scared and when you turn <laughs> this game off in the real world once again you you won't have to play make-believe or try to pretend, because I'll be right there when you open your hand, because I'm your little invisible musical friend. What? what? So show me to your pets, or show me to your pals. You really will impress every nifty guy and gal. Show them you are individual. Show them you are bold. Besides, I get residuals for every game that's sold. What the hell? Go <laughs> Monkeys was a... It's quite a game. They got insidious all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. Like, for the first few, it's just very strange, and then it becomes, like, unsettling. Yeah. Oh, go to the real world. I'll be there with you. <laughs> Hiding in your hand. Yeah. Show me, people. Okay. <laughs> uh... Yes, uh, for those curious, the song that I was singing was from the original Neverhood. It is a largely unintelligible bit of scat singing called Operator Plays a Little Ping Pong, <laughs> which is the only intelligible lyric and is sung right at the end. <laughs> what the hell? It's a very strange game. But, uh, let's see. So, what you been up to, Wheels? I've been playing. I finished a game for reals with a good ending. Oh, mm, a game that you had finished before with a yes, bad ending. Yes, perhaps a- last week. Yes, <laughs> Atelier Aisha, or if you want me to m- mispronounce it horribly, Atelier Aisha. Wow, Atelier. Atelier Aisha. 
<laughs> we're going to have trouble trying to find uh, ways to mangle that name more, yes. so we should probably stop now. Yes, but uh, I defeated the final boss in truly spectacular fashion. I had one character left alive at one one hit point. One <laughs> oh, yeah, you single, sent me about this. <laughs> one single hit point, but had his super attack ready to go, so I used that and it killed the final boss. Once you're down to that, once you're that strapped, it really does become like, well, if this doesn't kill it, then I wasn't going to win anyway. Yes. <laughs> and it did, and it's it's this spectacular finishing move, so it's great. It's a it's great, great story now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was... Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. It was... His his special meter was full, and the final boss had like several attacks lined up because there's like a turn order thing, and I'm like, oh god, survive, survive, survive. And I thought he was dead, and it was like, oh wait, no, one one hit point, one hit point. Uh. Yeah, that, well, is, that is a fantastic video game. And now you're on to the next Dusk game. Yes, I started it. There's a lot of talking and stuff at the intro, but you get to pick your you get to pick your character. I'm not sure how much that changes things. We'll have to see. Aren't they both in your party? I believe I believe so. It first to start with they are, so I'm not sure something has to be different. It wouldn't surprise me if it was as much just because like I don't know, was there perhaps misguided attempt to increase the series appeal to people who want to play as a male character because isn't one of them male which is like the only time that Adelier's ever done that yes yes one of them is a male character um I picked the girl character and it goes through like her intro so I imagine if you pick the other guy it'll go through like where he comes from and how he gets to this location uh but yeah I'm not sure yet how things are different from there so we'll have to see. Uh, but already, already a few familiar characters are in this one as well, which is nice. So, so can I can I stop for just a second because I'm looking the game up more properly? Yes. So the I, so the, the female protagonist is Esha. Yeah. Or Eska. I don't know how they pronounce es- it. Eska. Okay. Yeah, that's what the katakana says as well. Uh, the male protagonist is Loji. Yep. Except that apparently. They decided that that was too much not actually a name. And that's short. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> for yes. even more not a name. Apparently his short, full name is Logix. Yes, yes it is. With an X. Yep. That yes. is the fakest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yes, when he introduced himself, oh, I'm Logix Fixaria. It's like, oh, your name is a bunch of gibberish bullshit. <laughs> Like it would, I would have felt better if his name was just Logi. Like Logix makes it seem like they were like, well, we can't just name him Lo- Ash- They can't just make the pun that simple. But the, his, like that, na- Logix is not a name. Logix sounds like the screen handle of someone you never want to talk to. Yes, <laughs> they went to great lengths for one stupid like word pun. <laughs> that it's... was completely untranslatable. Yes. Yes, that's that's the most hilarious part about it is like no one no one in the West gets this joke unless they know Japanese. Just have to live or, with it. or have had it explained to them. 
It's it's hilarious. But whatever, it seems like it's gonna be good as the last game. The music seems great. It's got a good, really good intro song, like the last one did. So we'll see. So far, so good. Uh, yeah, so that's that's good. Still, uh, still slowly pecking through FF7 remake. Yeah, I have reached uh, Wall Market. Everything up to Wall Market. All the stuff with Aerith have been fantastic, making me like a character I cared not for in the original. So... Nothing has ever cut straight to what uh, the difference between how people remember a character and what that character was than the introduction of Aerith in this game. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I just... Right around the point where she... She keeps needling Cloud about how they clearly want her as a soldier candidate. And then the bit where just like it, it, it shocked me early on when you get to the bit where she nearly falls off one of the houses you're leaping over and just shouts shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was well, not expected. Didn't expect it. Appreciate it, though. Yep. But yeah, uh, Wall Market is incredible. I'm curious that that chapter has some branching quests. I'm curious which ones you will get. Okay, I will let you know. So keep me apprised. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah. just if you've listened to the show before, you probably know it wasn't necessarily super high up on my list of favorite Final Fantasies. I freaking love this game, and <laughs> I love all the characters. It's. I'm gonna hate it when they do certain things to certain characters that I now love. But yeah, that's how you twist great. the dagger. Yes. <laughs> yes. As soon as I started playing it, and all, they go through all the stuff with, with uh, Biggs and Wedge and Jesse, it's like you fuckers. <laughs> how, how you you made me care thing? about these people, and now I now I am dreading every second of the future yes. that they have. Yes, I'm actually kind of glad they've been away for a bit and from what I've played, so I can not think about that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I uh, as is known, uh, I adore the game, and I'm very excited to hear you play more of it. Yeah, it's great. Wheels have somehow managed to stay unspoiled. I'm so happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so. great, and also great is Trials of Mana. Yeah? Uh, not the voice acting, but... <laughs> In general, it's it's very good. Combat's a blast, and it's a very good looking game. And yes, the yeah. voice the voice acting sucks, especially if you pick Charlotte. I pick Charlotte. I was going to like try to come up with like a like imitation Charlotte voice. I don't have it in me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I look forward to picking that up. I'm a little thin on spare game cash since I decided that my purchase for this month was going to be Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive and a very cheap copy I found of the Xenoblade 2 DLC so that I can just do those in a row. Nice. Like a broken human being that does bad things with bad ideas. Yeah, I can't wait for definitive. It looks absurdly good. 
They keep just dribbling out like screens and videos, and it's like, oh man, it'll be nice to play this when everyone's not a skull-faced mutant. Yes. <laughs> just funny because I played it on 3DS, so this is gonna be a which massive like was upgrade. a very impressive thing, and it's still a good version, but you know, it's kind of outmodes it. Yeah. And you know, again, everyone doesn't have to be a skull-faced mutant. Yes. Who might send up light 3D? I want to. That was a very impressive bit of port work. So let me double check that. So I can at least uh, name check them as having done very impressive work. Man, that was. Uh, that's still like a crazy game to have happened. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. This is. Take me to the. Okay. And then you'll get to play Future Connected. There'll probably be more Nopone for you. Yes. Okay. It's co-developed by Monster Games. No idea who that is. Uh, mostly they just... Uh, let's see. Mostly a lot of racing games, but they were also uh, developers on the uh, 3DS port of... Uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns. Okay. Uh, they did some Excite Bike games for Nintendo back in the late ops. They were a nice, uh, reliable hand, and evidently very technically gifted. Mm. Good on them. Sweet. Still around. Still, uh, they're putting out a uh, licensed racing game based on a man I've never heard of this year. Uh, I don't know who Tony Stewart is. I don't know the first thing about sprint car racing, but I wish them luck. <laughs> Wherever you are, good luck. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just just wanted to give a bit of uh, credit to Monster Games. Yeah. Um, so yeah, FF Seven's good. Xenoblade's coming up. Uh, and Wheels has his plate full of very long RPGs. <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. On the bright side, you're at least halfway through FF7 Remake, so... You're uh, making good headway. Yeah. Hopefully have that one done soon, and then back to Persona. And then some Soccer Wars, probably. Yeah, yeah, I've got that still uh, sort of half going on the back burner. Yes. It's pretty good. And lots of alchemy adjacent so many games. Yes, so many. One day Giant the Dust Trilogy will go up on... One day the Dust Trilogy will go on sale on the eShop, and I will be on it like ugly on an ape. Hopefully, because it is surprisingly expensive. It's like $80, I think? $89. Yeah, so it's it's it makes sense. It's it's three games that they're selling for thirty dollars each, but I don't think you're getting any sort of like discount on the pack. No, not really. Which is a little actually. I think skin they're f- they're forty dollars individually, so you are getting a okay. Discount. Yeah, you're getting you're getting ten dollars off of each essentially. But yeah, yeah that's, they occasionally I know go on sale as a pack, and that's you know. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll be all over them. Uh, the second that the Dust Trilogy goes on sale. 
listeners, be sure to alert me. <laughs> I'm sure, uh, like, the eShop goes, has something on sale basically every week, and it's very hard to keep track. <laughs> yes, this is. But, uh... Meanwhile, let's talk about what I've been playing. Yes. So I played some Soccer Wars. I'm about halfway through that, it seems like. Oh, nice. Chapter, like, four or five out of, like, I think eight. Uh, it's, it's a nice breezy game. Uh, it won't blow anyone away, but it's it's fun. It's pleasant. Pleasant can be... Pleasant is not always the same as fun or, you know, engrossing. So, you know, pleasant, it, it, pleasant is the right kind of game for right now. Uh, <laughs> nice. And other than that, uh, I blasted through the Game Boy Advance version of Lunar 1, which I did mostly because I wanted to be sure that I had played through every version of it that existed. (laughs) I still haven't played Touch, but I'm given to understand that that is a port of either the PS1 or the PSP versions, and it has no changes to it. Whereas every other version makes at least one change like it to order of events or what actually happens or in one memorable case what the entire motivation of the villain is uh and that you know whereas like that that seems to just be here is another version but with touch controls for your iphone which is not interesting looking at it now it looks looks like it's definitely just the uh the ps1 version yeah which is the it's the version yeah. like the gba version is heavily compromised but you expected that it's a game boy advance game the psp version built is like building on changes made in the gba version and doesn't add anything particularly interesting or good and it's dude it's difficulty it's super neutered the gba version is fascinating because it like one of the things that's funny to me is that it does things like, oh, all the all the characters have last names now. <laughs> so it's like, oh, yeah, I remember Lake. I don't remember him having the last name Bogard, but now I can make a lot of Fatal Fury jokes. Uh, but yeah, like, the beginning of the game gets hyper-compressed. It cuts out, like, three dungeons right at the beginning of the game. Oh, God. Because uh, it just, it really is just trying to get you to the core of the game but it's it obviously much more resembles the ps1 game than the uh sega cd game the sega cd game and the ps1 game are the ps1 version is such a radical reinvention of what's happening in that game that if you had played the sega cd game and thought you knew what was going to happen you would feel betrayed by half of the things that happened in the ps1 (laughs) version like uh so here's one that uh, is kind of infamous in the Sega CD version. Uh, so you've got you've got your protagonist Alex. He's gonna go off to meet all the dragons so he can uh, become a dragon master who is the chosen protector of the uh, goddess of the world of Lunar. Uh, so right at the beginning, you're like adventuring with his like adoptive sister and his childhood friend, and. Uh, you go to the White Dragon Cave, and then eventually you uh, head off to the new to the next continent in order to search for more of the dragons. In the Sega CD version, your 
adoptive sister splits off at that point. She stays behind. Huh. And you don't see her again until later in the game when she gets kidnapped by the villain for reasons. In the PS1 version, she like the game plays up the fact that she intends to stay behind. She's watching you get uh she's watching your ship go off at the pier. And then at the last minute she like your like Alex convinces her to go along and she just jumps onto the boat. Hmm. And like every like that adds a ton of new scenes because suddenly she's interacting with plot elements that she was never involved in. Like they they did a ton of things like that in the transition from Sega CD to PS1 to by the end the end of the game is completely different. Uh, the actual resolution is different. The villain's motivations are completely changed. Uh, and, like, just sort of the implications of the ending have changed radically. So it's... Like, that. that's why I find all the other versions to be less interesting, but still interesting, because they continue to make minor changes, but they kind of stick to the idea that the PS1 version is the version of this plot. And everything else is sort of like, uh, let's make some tweaks just to sort of say that there were some differences. <laughs> the other interesting thing about the GBA version is that the English version is the first version of Lunar 1 that was not translated by Working Designs, <laughs> which uh, allows you to sort of get a peek into what the... Working Designs had a very specific sense of humor. And they were very, very pleased to put it wherever they could find space in the script. And it is interesting to see that there are still bits of that kind of humor seemingly in the source text. There was... uh, So there was a joke that was quite infamous in the original uh, version of Lunar 1 that your character's best friend, Ramus... He goes with you to the White Dragon Cave because he wants to get one of the legendary gigantic diamonds that the White Dragon apparently has. The PS1 version has a line of dialogue where that dragon says, "I, why do you humans always want these? Don't you know that they're my SH dash? And then he gets cut off. <laughs> and it's like, oh, haha, that sounds like a working designs joke if I ever heard one. Then I play this version and he absolutely says essentially the same thing. That was apparently the the joke that dragon diamonds are dragon shit is in every version of that game. Oh. Well then. (laughs) Well then. So yeah. Okay, Game Arts. Okay. (laughs) Game Arts, they have uh, they were not as an as odd a match for uh, working designs as it sometimes seemed. Although the the Tootsie Roll jokes and the everything else that's just a really naked plot, uh, pop culture reference, oftentimes a really, really, really belated one. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorites. So, Lunar 2. When you game over in the Sega CD version, it just it gives you its normal game over prompt. Do you want to load your game or continue from a checkpoint that the game keeps in the ps1 version it doesn't have that menu so the game just declares it's a dead man's party (laughs) you know that uh bear in mind the ps1 version came out in 2000 (laughs) 
for those uh, out of the loop, it's Dead Man's Party. It's an Oingo Boingo song. And it is from 1986. Oh, dear Lord. And uh, they took a place that did not contain a dated reference in the Sega CD version and added it to the PS4. Incredible. Hats off. Impressive, not in a good way. Yeah, it's uh, it's got character. I'll give it that. Um, but yeah, so Lunar Legend polished off. Uh, it starts out with a lot more changes than it has by the end. By the end, it's basically just the PS1 version, but compromised. In the early parts, it has some parts that's like eh, it's interesting. It seems like you may have actually done, you've made some mildly interesting changes, and then it just gives up. Uh, <laughs> and then I started playing uh, the Sega CD version of Lunar Two. Which is fascinating because when you play that, if you haven't, if you played the Sega CD version of Lunar One and then play the PS1 version of Lunar One, it's like this is completely different. This is so much more convenient, but a very different like, like the menu, UI, gameplay flow, everything is completely like thrown out the window and redesigned and rebalanced. Then you play the Sega CD version of Lunar Two, and it's like, oh. They were making Lunar 1 play like Lunar 2. Oh. Like, they were taking the, like the, the Silver Star Story Complete uh, UI and menu experience is lifted wholesale from the Lunar 2 Eternal Blue. Uh, excuse me. On S- Sega CD, there is no number. It's just Lunar Eternal Blue. Silver Star Story Complete uh, UI is, and you, like the entire experience of playing the game is taken wholesale. It's wow. fascinating. Which also means that the Lunar 2 remake on uh, PS1, which is actually called Lunar 2 Eternal Blue, complete. They added the complete for reasons that don't make a lot of sense, but we'll drop that. would involve talking about the Sega Saturn. We don't want to do that. Um, just waiting for you to get it, to get outraged on Saturn's behalf, but uh, <laughs> <sighs> how, but, could yeah. you, how could you do this on the Saturn's twenty fifth anniversary? Oh, it is, yeah, yeah. How dare As you. it turns out, don't release your console before you say you're going to. Um, but yeah, uh, that version is actually very, very similar to. The- to the Sega CD version. The only thing they've done is sort of simplify the magic uh, progression system. Wait, it's not the same as the PS1 version? Uh, in what sense? The Saturn version? No, no, I mean the Sega CD version. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. The Sega CD version of uh, Lunar 2 has like a magic point system that most closely resembles the magic system of Grandia 2 where you get points after battle that you then spend on uh, skills uh, that, as you spend on them, you get more of that type of skill. Mm. Uh, Whereas on the PS1 version, I believe they reverted it entirely to a level-up-based system. Uh, Working Designs made an extraordinarily questionable uh, rebalancing tweak to the US version of Lunar Eternal Blue on Sega CD where they made it so that that magic point system was also now required to save. Hmm. I don't know what they were thinking. It does a calculation based on your party's average level and requires those points 
to save so you can be put in a situation where if you've just finished grinding if you want to save you're going to have to grind a bit more to get magic experience enough to pay to save huh. it's not great uh, if you play it on an emulator just use save states and then you can bypass this extraordinarily questionable balance re- uh, change uh best I can say is that it's far from the worst rebalancing that uh, working designs ever did. Uh, shout outs to any human being who has ever forced themselves through Exile to Wicked Phenomena, the PS1 version of Silhouette Mirage, uh, Cosmic Fantasy. Cetera, <sighs> they, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't know when to leave well enough alone. Uh, but yeah, so. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. I please, I am sorry, everyone listening to this, I will take any excuse to go on a tear about the four or so good game arts RPGs from the 90s. Plus Grandia 2. Did that come out yeah, in Grandia the 90s? I want to say that that's like 1999, but it might be 2000. Okay. Certainly in the US it was 2000. Yeah check just to be sure okay yeah in japan it was 2000 uh that's an honorary 90s year um (laughs) listen the 90s don't really start until like 1992 anyway it's true and the 90s very specifically end in 2001 (laughs) but yeah um but yeah uh, so yeah that was me going on that tear that I inevitably was going to probably going to finish Lunar 2 on Sega CD and then get real dumb and play it on Playstation <laughs> nice because I'm broken in the head um, so we want to have a question <laughs> I think we had some questions yeah we got a few uh Kroll asking, great, another Q&A cast, and welcome back to Matt uh, to someone else who has played through Dragon Quest VIII on mobile. She leads me to this question. Oh, that's an ominous statement. Uh, but then, do you ever find yourselves procrastinating on finishing a game? <laughs> Let me tell you, buddy. Uh, uh, hunting out side quests or grinding out levels or jobs simply to avoid having to finish the campaign because you're not quite ready for it to end off the top of my head I've done this on Dragon Quest 8 and Xenoblade 2 what games if any have had this effect on you a lot of long RPGs do this to me I get really attached to them like the experience of playing them the world that they have the characters in them and when you finish a game and there's no guarantee of it ever getting a direct follow up <laughs> like it's like she's saying goodbye to the cast of a favorite book or something where it's like yeah. oh I, I still wanted to see you guys yeah, this hit me particularly hard with Persona 4. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Persona 5 recently would do this to me if I was not uh, certain that there were more follow-ups happening. Uh, <laughs> well, one yeah, for like, sure already. Yeah, one for sure, probably more. Uh, Man Royal really smacks of, like, we have ideas for a possibly different follow-up. Oh. But yeah, uh, Man Royale was really good. Um, but yeah, uh, Persona's really good with that just because, like, 
you have so much time with each individual character if you're pursuing their S-Link. So it kind of has a different thing than just being with, with... When characters are coming up because you're pursuing time with them, it creates a different form of attachment than their section of the plot came up and then they just sort of were tagging on for the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Persona does that. Uh, it's probably like something. This probably has something to do with why I did everything in Dragon Quest XI. Uh, I feel certain that if there weren't uh, multiple installments of F7 remake uh, in the pipeline, I would have felt this way about that. But you know, that was that was kind of a foregone conclusion. I, I was uh, I was the one desperately excited to watch Advent Children because it meant more of them, and then like that game, that film has almost no characters at all. Uh, so that was disappointing. What, what even happens in that movie? Uh, three like fake Sephiroths come out to play over the hill and far away. Um, <laughs> But they, uh, one of them, like, gets possessed by Sephiroth via live stream shenanigans and then Cloud kills them. Uh, it, and then there's the, there's like a disease that causes depression called Geostigma. Uh, that doesn't figure into basically anything other than why Cloud's really, mo- really mopey and won't talk to anyone. I thought that's just how he normally is. It's not. <laughs> Like, you've seen FF7 Remake, where the problem is mostly that he's, like, a ditz. He's, like, he's just awkward. (laughs) But, yeah. That was was a, like, aspect of the film's promotion that always stuck out to me, because, like, there was a common sentiment that, like, the the writers and developers did not remember how Cloud acted in the game. But if you look at interviews from Advent Children, they were like, yeah... We made a plot element so he would act more like fans think he's supposed to act. <laughs> <laughs> like that's why Geo Sigma exists. That's terrible. Yeah, it was it was regrettable. It, it taught people very clearly that they don't actually want Cloud to act like that. Because yeah. It's boring. But yeah. Uh, in conclusion, I'm looking forward to FF7 Remake Part Three when we get to the snowboard mini game and it just plays like SSX. Um, <laughs> that's SSX, my dream. SSX tricky, tricky or Trixie or whatever the heck that tricky. Says, trick, thank you. It's day to rock around. It's tricky, tricky. Man, SSX was good. Instead, that instead, it should play like Snowboard Kids. Snowboard Kids kind of owns. Let's be real. But yeah, the last it's... Snowboard Kids was the DS one that sucked real bad. Yeah, I miss Snowboard Kids. It was cute. It was by I, Atlas. I, yeah, I remember that was a game I rented. It was like, what, what, the, what, what the shit is this? And it was. It turns out it's a kart racer. Yeah, it was a kart racer, and it was better than Mario Kart 64. Mm, I'm fighting words. Yeah, uh, I'm, gonna throw that, I'm throwing down, and I was never a fan of Mario Kart 64. I'm a huge fan of Mario Kart 64. I'm sorry. Uh, how do you feel about Diddy Kong Racing? It was uh, interesting. We'll have words later. How do you feel about it, Mickey Speedway USA? I mean, it was very, it was very good. It just, um, I don't know. 
It's very good. That's How do you feel about say. Mickey Speedway USA? I don't think I ever played that one. Low quality. It's just it's mostly notable for being a rareware game. Oh. But it was just like, wait, what? Why? Why? Why would Rare tap to develop a Mickey Kart Racer? <laughs> How do you feel about uh, Beetle Adventure Racing? The hell is that? It's a very good game from the developers of Pilot Wing 64 that was just like licensed from the Volkswagen Bug, but it's got really good track design. It's for, it's for the N64, like all the things I just listed. Huh. It was a it was a good platform for arcade racers. The cruising games on there. You got a good version of the Rush games on there. Very arcade racer heavy. Um, but yeah, games I wasn't ready to say not, say goodbye to. This happens to me a lot. There's a lot of games that I would consider myself to have finished by virtue of the fact that I didn't finish the final boss because I wasn't quite ready to and then got distracted. So this this list could go on for a long time for me. Even though I, again, in all those cases, I was absolutely capable of killing the final boss. I just didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> you wields any more for you? Uh, nothing's really coming to mind. Uh, probably Final Fantasy VI. That seems like your game. Yeah. Uh, let me think what else. Like the original Destiny. I played a lot of a lot of raids and stuff at the end of that game's run, which yes, I know it's still running, but there aren't really any people actively playing it, so yes, at the end of that game's run, I played it a ton, because I knew uh, exactly what was going to happen. MMOs and pseudo-MMOs probably attract a very specific kind of melancholy as they wind yeah. down. Well, this one was worse, because it's like there is no reason that this should not just be the platform for new content. Like, why a whole new game? Other than Activision and possibly some regrettable technical decisions. Yes. Uh, yes, the, the development of Destiny is fasc fascinating. Um, because it Remember seems... when it was started in, like, 2006? And it yeah. was, like, a, a sword and sorcery game? <laughs> it's weird. But it's, like... This is a fascinating, horrible mess that somehow produced a brilliant video game. How does this happen? <laughs> I still think it's hilarious that like the two like two of the most iconic FPS developers imaginable kept making FPSs because every time they tried to make something else, it like went entirely to pot and like they could only salvage it by turning it into a genre-defining FPS. It's, it's true. And, and and it's crazy with Destiny because it's like this is some of the best like shooting you can find out of there out there. But, yeah, it's what they knew. Yeah, and it shows. <laughs> Man, has it really been so long since I saw you tweeting like the retweeting the like Destiny will be coming out in a year? Yep. Uh, oh, that's weird. Don't like thinking about that. Not in the slightest. Uh, but yeah. There's a unique melancholy for that. Uh, anyone who ever gets uh, bored and wants to see the strangest things imaginable, go look up uh, footage. Some of, the, some of this exists, like YouTube footage of MMOs on the last day of their operation. Interesting. They're... Uh, 
Sometimes developers would do special events that were kind of interesting. It does remind me that one of the things that I'm excited about whenever I get around to finally playing this, the so .hack GU was three parts. The new, uh, the quote-unquote new, the PS4 like collection added a fourth part that was about the protagonist logging in, like the last few days of service, <laughs> which is a really interesting like. That's pretty cool. Yeah, like it's it's interesting because like. It's a further acknowledgement of like one of the things that's interesting about .hack as a franchise is it's is that it's interested in what MMOs mean to people, <laughs> especially GU. But uh, I mean, like also some of the like it, it's fascinating because like you look at the early parts of that project and they were right when MMOs just started existing, so they have a very different outlook on what MMOs mean. And then like you get to the later parts and it's like okay, MMOs exist. We have seen them come and go, and now we have an, a different idea of what they mean to people. So yeah, so I'm I'm interested to finally play that fourth chapter to see what uh what new nuance they can bring to it now that it's yeah. like oh this version of this MMO is shutting down it's going to go away sure it's going to be good because just playing through the first GU you could tell that oh they they understand this they get it yeah GU is like so much so good at like catching all of those little like the, the f- way that one of my favorite things is that your character in GU is an adept rogue which makes perfect sense as a protagonist uh, role job in the sense that they uh, are a job that gets access to the skills of multiple other jobs (laughs) but when you go look at the in-game message board there is like a discussion about like aren't these overpowered and it's like no they actually suck because they're worse at everything than everyone else (laughs) (laughs) like they are just a bad version of every other class it's so funny yeah, uh, that's that's a world that I'm always glad to dive back into. That I'm always a little sad when it goes away for long periods of time. Yeah, make another make another dot hack project. Cyberconnect. Yes. Throw all the Sword Art Online games into the fire and make some new dot hack. Oh man, Sword Art. Speaking of things that don't actually have very much to say about how people relate to each other in MMOs, <laughs> and just decided to do Lord of the like Lord of the Flies horror scenario and then get bored of that uh but yeah um so yeah those are some games that uh we get attached to uh this next one is less of a comment is less of a question and more of a comment but i'm willing to read it because i feel that uh they deserve the shout out a uh, person we've never seen before who's uh, registered as Liam Land says, another glorious podcast about Dragon Quest Ballet, the Star Wars holiday special of the DQ universe. Platy, who is the Slime Time co-host you speak of, he seems a fine gentleman of exquisite taste. <laughs> and just to confirm my suspicion, I went and uh, just double-checked on that whole uh, co-host. And yes, uh, good to hear from you, sir. Uh, <laughs> Welcome, glad to see you're listening. Yeah. Uh, if you have actual questions we're happy to take them slime time is good recommended yes. slimetime.com not the actual address of their yeah podcast. if you google slime time you'll probably reach it eventually yes slime time podcast probably even faster 
actual URL you're probably looking for would be um, well they have a Twitter feed they have a YouTube channel uh, those are probably probably the fastest way you'll find the podcast itself yes. slimetime.com <laughs> I, just, I don't think they have that I don't think that's the case I wonder where it goes to as well. I'm concerned where it goes to <laughs> is what I'm going to say like I don't want this to be like okay Wales did you ever hear about this so the game Killer7 uh, had the wrong URL oh, on no. its box when it first came out and someone got hold of it because it, it very much did not Killer7 even a website about actual Killer7 would be not safe for work but uh, this was not that kind of not safe for work Ooh. so yeah uh, be careful when you put blank.com into anything who knows <laughs> Do not let Jesus take the wheel when it comes to resolving a URL. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's, a, here's a question from Budai that we should both be at least semi-fit to talk about. Do you suspect the Final Fantasy VII set of games will be like FF13, where each felt unique, or do you think the whole set of games will feel more similar? Uh, I don't think you're going to see the degree of identity crisis that FF13 went into. Yeah. For good, for good and ill, like the FF13 quote-unquote trilogy, it is three games that theoretically have the same like set of plot threads, uh, but there is clearly not any sense of planning to do one, t- uh, like to bridge one game to the next. They are games that were made because there was impetus to make them both to, like, get the most money out of what they had made and, you know, like, like just the, the entire impetus to make them precluded the idea of them feeling cohesive. Yeah. The impetus to make FF7 Remake and every piece of information we have about it is... They have a pretty good idea of... They, they haven't come out and said this is the amount of installments there are because they're, they do have like some internal debate on that, but they know the main beats because, I mean, both what's in FF7 and they have planned out what changes they're making for the most part. And they have, like... For FF13 sequels, the way to make sequels to that that were able to make use of the existing technology was to go wild with them because there was not space within the original game's design to just keep making in that style they needed to do crazy FF7 in terms of how its plot continues and how it's designed it feels like they're going to be building on that design it and all of the information they've offered makes it sound like they have a pretty good idea of how they'll be doing so. Hmm. So yeah, I, I would suspect you will see less radical departures than say, mm, what if this last one's an action RPG? <laughs> what if the second one is like not open world precisely, but is very uh, insert the word directionless or nonlinear depending upon how you feel about the game. Uh, but yeah um, 
that offered them like that that is the mark of people looking at a set at finished stuff that needs to be recombined and that can produce great things lightning returns is a great game mm-hmm. uh majora's mask is essentially the same concept uh like I, i've rambled about it before but like all those old Capcom versus games, those come about just because it's like, well, how do we recombine all this stuff we already made? <laughs> and, like, that's useful. Like, I think that there's a, a greater than necessary stigma against the idea of reusing things that work. And, like, don't get me wrong, I love just doing going, you know, going wild with stuff, but, I mean, part of what allows you to... Part of what allows something like a saga game or a like or any of the things I just listed that like oh they went completely nuts in one place is because they used something very tried and true in another place they didn't have to rethink the wheel on that and I think that that's uh, that's the other thing is that it's often sort of treated like something that's going to be unique needs to go crazy in every direction but (laughs) something that understands where to just use something else so that it can really go go nuts completely changing rewriting the book on a different aspect of the game it shows a lot of vision and vision is very important when you're trying to plate spin as uh, plate spin a gigantic project <laughs> so yeah any other thoughts Wiz? <laughs> No. Okay. Okay. Uh, another one from Kroll. What's the oldest game, not counting remasters, remakes, or continuous service games you've played in the past year? Are there any old games or series you were coming to for the first time? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I was just playing uh, Lunar 2, which is, I think, 94. So, you know, about... Eh, about quarter century old, not too bad. That's not a new one, though. I've played that in the past. Although I haven't finished the Sega CD version before, so that kind of counts. Uh, uh, I played FF6 on the SNES Mini recently. Nice, nice. Oh, did you ever see the Legends of Localization comparison for the translations on that? I don't think so. It's fascinating. I think you'd find it very interesting. I'll have to check that out. Uh, did you see... Oh, man. This one was infamous at the time. Uh, uh, do you remember the controversy around the Game Boy Advance localization? It's weird to think that was like 14 years ago. <laughs> but do you remember that? No. It's it's fascinating because you get to see a lot of the uh, reasons as to why that localization is different. Uh and in many cases a uh, marked improvement but yeah uh, let's see what if... oh yeah I was also sitting down thinking uh, that since I was playing old Genesis games I might uh, pick up uh, Crusader of Senti <laughs> you ever play that one? I don't think I played that one it's a sort of Zelda-esque construction I want to say it's to do with uh, I want to say Atlas was related in some fashion 
Uh, yeah, they localized it. It was developed by a company called Nextech, who I don't think anyone's ever heard of, but have made a lot, a lot, a lot of video games. Let's see. Uh, is there anything I've ever heard of, though? Uh, they ported Battle Arena Toshinden to the Saturn. Yeah. How do you feel about Linkle Liver Story? Yeah. Do you remember Linkle Liver, Liver Story? No. Okay. Well, it's also a Saturn game. <laughs> yeah, they, they did a lot of... Uh, they've done a lot of weird sort of contracty work. Strange company. But uh, Crusader of Senti is sort of well-liked. I uh, like Zelda-style things. It's an obscure Genesis game, which I find interesting because I didn't play a lot of Genesis games. Although half the ones I did play were quite obscure. In any case, uh, I might end up playing that. Uh... See, Wheels challenge me to play an old game, a specific one. Uh, um, how old? Uh, Super Nintendo and beyond. Hmm. Any system? That my that either I have access to or that my computer can emulate. Have you ever run a PS2 emulator? Uh, occasionally, they're very spotty. Although there was just a big update to PCSX2. Hmm. Were you about to say Dragon Quarter? No, I was actually going to say Artanelco too. Oh man, Melody of Metaphalica. I did play that back when it was new, although I didn't finish it. It's an interesting game. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I was also thinking of uh, replaying the first few Wild Arms games. Uh, I need to do that. I've only ever finished the first one. Gotta play two. It's uh, crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Gaijin have uh, ranted about it many times for many reasons. (laughs) But uh, it is a game that has... Uh, the core thesis of what does it mean to be a hero and why do people push all of their problems onto them <laughs> so. the, the last time I haven't tried to play Wild Arms in a while the last one was really Wild Arms Alter Code F which I absolutely hated Oh, that, can't, that is a bad remake yeah that is a bad remake it starts off right when you turn it on because it's like oh it doesn't have the original song that I was expecting. Does it have the original song but with vocals? Nope. It's a totally different song. For some reason I thought that it had the original song but with vocals, which would have meant that it had the original song in Japan. <laughs> Let me check what this intro is, because it's not ringing a bell, but maybe I just kept skipping it. Hello? Yes, sorry. Okay, yeah. Okay, the song is the same as the animation. Okay. But, uh, like, it makes a lot of questions choice. It has, yeah, some weird, weird mechanics. I feel like the weirdest thing about it is that, like, somehow its translation isn't any better. <laughs> It's just different bad. Yeah. But, like, 
yeah, this opening is less moody. It's uh, less fun. Um, but it's still it's still got the original song, which I was really worried about them losing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, man, but that like Alter Code F is interesting because like there's very little about it that's offensively be- like taken on its own. It's merely kind of a boring game, and like Wild Arms One is not a like unimpeachable classic. There are many different things they could have done to make the game substantially better, <laughs> and it just whiffs on all of them. <laughs> like it arbitrarily brings Rudy's like arm usage to be more in line with how the Wild Arms Three system. Works. I'm not sure why they did that, because that was a system that made sense when every character wields a gun, when the entire point of Wild Arms' story is, oh, only one of them does, and it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> like, making that just his primary weapon is, like, a huge mistake, actually, thematically, and, like, just in terms of, like, making it seem like... Because, like, the first time you actually use the arm in Wild Arms 1, it's probably going to be at the boss of the first dungeon, and it's like, oh, this is, like, a million times stronger than using my normal weapon. Okay, that's... Like, it's dumb that people are getting mad at him for using it, but at the same time, you can see why it would be considered a terrifying weapon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just... Bleh. And then, like, uh, there's, there's just all sorts of... It's just kind of an ugly game. <laughs> like, it's... It's a very early PS2 3D game. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of stylistically whiffs the it brought back the loc it, it introduced to Wild Arms 1 the locator system from Wild Arms 2 and 3 that isn't actually fun <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you know about, do you remember this wheels? vaguely basically nothing shows up on your map unless you press square and ping it uh so like you could be standing on top of a town and not be able to go in it because you didn't actually locate it was a mistake. <laughs> I don't know why they turned it into like a series-wide mechanic. Ugh. Not recommended. Yeah, Alter Code F's pointless. Like, doesn't actually improve anything. Makes some things worse. Not an offensively bad game, but doesn't improve anything. <laughs> There's no reason to play it over the original unless you just hate sprites. I guess. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. But yeah. Meanwhile, uh, I challenge you to play Ninja Golf for the Atari 7800. Mm. I don't expect you to actually take up this challenge. <laughs> but I don't know. It could be fun to think of like what the oldest RPG we would feel like clearing out of our back catalogs would be. Yeah. Um, not sure what mine would be. It probably... Yeah. Wild Arms game would probably be nice. Wild Arms 3. Oh, Wild Arms 3 is real good. And that one's on... You can play on PS4. Oh, I didn't know they put it on PS4. I knew it was on PS3. Yeah, that's that's one of the, the PS2 classic things they put on PS4. PS2 on PS4. Yeah. Yeah, and that one's really good. Like, Wild Arms 2 is my favorite, but 3 is probably the most solid all-around game. Nice. Plus, you can, uh... 
exploit finest arts, which is still one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in a game. <laughs> you know about that one? No. Let me see if I can... I want to make sure that I'm not about to sell you a line of bullshit. But... Uh, finest Arts was like... Uh, so Wild Arms 2 and 3 have like this skill system where you build up skill points as you level up. Uh, you need to equip... It's like the most bizarre obscurity in the game. You need to equip this like medium called Violator, and then put in and then build up the finest art skill that it gives whoever equips it. And then if you run them out of, uh, if you run them out of bullets, and then use the skill that's supposed to make them fire until they run out of bullets. <laughs> They will deliver a series of melee attacks, the la the second to last or last of which will deal like 36,000 damage. Oh my god. Like, just this completely out of... Like, this is a game where you typically don't see a character doing more than 1,000 damage. Oh my god. I don't know why they put... It's so obscure. It's so... It makes... There's very little in the game hinting at what it's doing. <laughs> Like, I don't know why it is the way that it is, but it sure is funny. Uh, it's probably useful if you're going to actually fight Ragu or Ragula. <laughs> yes, that is the recurring series boss. But yeah, uh, Wild Arms 3 is really good. Recommended. Uh, yeah, so you know we'll get around to that sometime. Uh, yeah. I might toss in Breath of Fire three or something because people seem to want that eventually. <laughs> I promise I will try to say nice things as opposed to Wheels, who will continue along the hate train. Well, it's if it's trash, it's trash. I won't not say if I don't like it, but at the same time, I'll try to find nice things to say. <laughs> nice thing to say. The disc made an excellent coaster. Discs don't actually make very good coasters. It's true. <laughs> they don't make good frisbees either. All of our 90s jokes are online. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's an old game I was thinking of coming to for the first time. I've played a fair bit of Rough Fire 3, but I've never finished it, so I would consider that coming to it for the first time. Uh... Next thing after that was a question from Strawberry Eggs, but it was the last one that we had gotten around to, so thankfully Gaijin made it clear that that had happened. Uh, good. Didn't want, didn't want to make it good, clear good. that, didn't want to make it seem like we were ignoring it. Uh, but here comes, but she did have another one. It seems she did get to my previous question. I've got another, another one, one more so for Gaijin, so we're going to have to revisit this when Gaijin gets back, but I will bring it up a little bit. Uh, the 109 department store in Shibuya allows, uh, shows up in a lot of RPGs set in Tokyo, yet I almost never see it with those exact numbers. It's 104 in The World Ends With You, that's a thematic joke. 108 in Tokyo Mirage Sessions, that's also a joke, but a different one. Uh, 901 in Devil Survivor 2 for a few specific examples I've seen 106, 110, and even 10Q 
and other games and anime. Its alternate numbers are so ubiquitous that I sometimes have to remind myself that the actual number is 109. Is there some reason that the number is usually changed, like for copyright or trademark? It's almost assuredly trademark. Like, you can trademark a logo. It's not typically what you're concerned about, but uh, I should say you can copyright a logo. It's not typically what you're concerned about. Uh, it is, however, trademark, uh, almost assuredly. Uh, is it a running gag? Yeah, probably some of it. Uh I do want to go into all of those jokes, though. You probably are aware of at least some of these, but for the audience that might not be. 104 in the World Ends With You is a joke about how everyone is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Four is the death number. Uh, 108 in Tokyo Mirage Sessions may or may not be a reference to the significance of the number 108 in several world religions. Uh, Oh, sweet it in. Yep. Uh, 108, uh, see, in Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, it's a number of extreme significance. Uh, shows up a lot in both of those, as well as Jainism, which I know much less about. But, yeah, uh, you will you will see that number a lot, and thus it shows up a lot in, uh, Japanese, uh, works as uh, per the Buddhism connection. Uh, at the end, uh, in Japan, at the end of the year, a bell is chimed 108 times in Buddhist temple, temples to finish the old year and welcome the new one. Uh, each ring represents one of the 108 earthly te- uh, temptations a person must overcome to achieve nirvana. So yeah, a uh, big, uh, important number of deep religious uh, Buddhist significance. Um... And 10Q is just a name pun. Uh, the the number nine would be pronounced phonetically similarly to Q. So, yeah, uh, that's that's the best explanation I can give for some of these as to why they are the ones the way the the choices made here were of intent. But yeah, uh, Gaijin can probably talk about this more. But yeah, it's it's more than likely for the same reason that. Uh, You've never seen a McDonald's in an anime, but you've sure seen a Wookdonald's. <laughs> I'm thinking of my favorite, like, fake McDonald's in uh, anime. This one's not strictly a McDonald's, but it is a fake burger chain. One of the Gundam uh, Build Fighters shows has a restaurant in it just called Many Hamburgers. <laughs> Uh, so you know, recommend okay. many hamburgers. High quality name. Makes you know what you're getting. <laughs> you're getting burgers. But yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, that sort of thing that you sort of see in uh, in sort of Japanese media. There might be a broader spectrum for why this is the case. Uh, that I'm not aware of that Gaijin might be able to go into, but it seems like, at least in part, it's just half the time the joke is, well, you obviously know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we're changing it as little as humanly possible. <laughs> and hey, eh, I, I generally think it's pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that the 104 in World Ends With You is really funny, and 10Q is actually 
kind of a good joke too. <laughs> in conclusion, uh, the W in McDonald's stands for wheels. Well known fact. I appreciate it. <laughs> wheels, what's your favorite McDonald's game? Um, the one where I got a snack wrap and got horrible food poisoning. That doesn't sound like a game. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> Didn't feel like one at the time. Well, I was pretty sick, so. When was this? It was like ten years ago. And you haven't set foot in a McDonald's since. I mean, I have, but not for like to get you the do kids have happy young children, meals. So yeah. Yes. And I do still eat the fries because the fries. The fries are. Yes. Yeah. Uh. Uh, my favorite is the one that Treasure made for the Genesis for some reason. I didn't realize there were more than one, to be honest. Let's see. Off the top of my head, Donald Land for the Famicom, not released in America. Uh, it stars Ronald McDonald, except in Japan he's known as Donald McDonald. <laughs> uh, MC Kids for the uh, NES. It's a perfectly solid sort of platformer for the uh, for in the Mario 2 sort of mold uh, there is there is Global Gladiators starring Mick and Mac which uh, kind of a regrettable uh, Genesis era sort of platformer let me make sure that I might have actually had the McDonald's stripped out of it at some stage but <laughs> they're definitely Okay, yeah, no, it, it definitely had McDonald's branding in at least some places. There, It's on the box. Uh, it's made by Virgin Games, which you might uh, know as the developer of a number of very pretty and very unfun Disney games. <laughs> I assume that's the same Virgins anyway. Virgin anyway. Yeah, yeah, same Virgin. Uh, the ones that made yeah. that terrible Lion King game? Yep. None other. That I tried uh, to play to entertain my daughter and couldn't beat the second level. So it's so hard. I don't it's understand ridiculous. why it's so hard. Oh, uh, it's the second. The second level's not that I just can't wait to be king. Bit is it? Yes, it is. Yep, that part was actually. We do know why that part's so hard. Uh, they were afraid that children would be able to finish it on a rental, so they made that level way harder right at the end. It's so stupid. It's a baffling like maze it's oh, it's just the worst and like the game is not easy otherwise like it's got no. weird hit detection <laughs> it's, it's you will bad. die it's, constantly it's very bad yeah uh that like Dis that disney collection that was like aladdin and lion king i super respect the extras they went into i super respect that there's like a ces demo of aladdin it's super incomplete that i think i'm shocked <laughs> that they dug it up it owns I love that there is a version of Aladdin that they dug up uh, that they like made tweaks to to try to make it play better. Those games still aren't very good. No, they're not. But they're fascinating. That they are. If you find it for like ten bucks, highly recommend. Yeah. But yeah, uh, there's Global Gladiators, and then there is the one made by Treasure, McDonald's Treasure Land Adventure. Uh. <laughs> which has, uh, which might actually be Treasure's first game. Okay, that's interesting. I believe it might have come out just before Gunstar Heroes. 
There was like a interview I read where they were like, please consider Gunstar Heroes to be our first game. <laughs> In spirit, it was our first game. Uh, let me double check to make sure that that actually was the case. Well, let's see. For Konami, blah, 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 blah. Uh, okay, McDonald's Treasureland Adventure. Uh, okay. Okay, they finished Treasureland Adventure first, but they wanted Gunstar Heroes to be their first game, so they held off on releasing it until after Gunstar Heroes finished. Wow. But yeah, McDonald's Treasureland Adventure is, despite that, actually a pretty good game. <laughs> Colorful, got some fun platforming gimmicks. Plays pretty well. Nice. Way better than uh, you deserve if you're buying a fucking video game designed to sell <laughs> you on the idea of a clown selling you hamburgers. Ugh. There might be another McDonald's game I'm forgetting. Yeah, I hope that. <laughs> The point is that there were at least four boxed retail McDonald's what video games. One of which only came out in Japan. Donald Land. When do, I get, fear of Donald when do I get my Starbucks game? It's, it's probably you're just gonna have to make do with Flash games, Wheels. Do you even really want that? No, I just want more fucking coffee. <laughs> Yeah, you sound very tired. We should probably wrap this up. Yeah. I don't know why so, I'm so tired, but whatever. Yeah, let's let's get this done. Okay. Uh, questions in the usual places, the comment section or the Q&A section of the Discord, which I just realized we haven't checked, but hopefully we will have time when Wheels is less tired. Oh, yes, and leave questions, and someone will get a, a Steam code for uh, Mighty 101. Wonderful 101. Wonderful. Well, Okay, I need sleep. Wonderful 101. Yes, I have a Steam You've code. You've completed it with Mighty Number 9. Yes. Wonderful 101. Uh, One of those Steam is code. very good. One of those is not. Yeah. Wonderful 101 Steam code uh, incoming to those interested. If they uh, leave a question, yes. then you will be uh, entered for a chance to win. Yes, leave a question and say you're interested. This will yeah. prove that you actually listened to the end this episode can't believe you've done this yes. but yeah questions on the discord or in the comment section uh and of course in either of those cases mark that you are interested um let's see uh since gaijin is not here i will quickly uh stump that uh princess pizza parlor still available on amazon as an ebook or a physical book uh more installments of ebooks than physical books uh, as of this moment, but that's that tends to be the way of things. Uh, and his author name on there would be Michael Yadimizu. So, listen, someone has to stop. Buy my book. <laughs> Buy my book. One day you'll isolate that sound clip and we'll be free. Oh, we do that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and otherwise, uh, see you, Space Cowboys. See ya.